Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. And welcome to episode two of the Movement Made Better podcast. Uh, today, we're just going to talk about, well, we're mobility coaches, we're movement coaches, so we're going to talk about mobility and movement. First off, what is mobility? It's basically the ability to move. It's not just flexibility. It's not just stretching. It's just the ability to move. We hear that all the time, though, right? Yeah. When you talk about mobility, they're like, I need to be more flexible. You're like, there's a little bit more to it than that, right? Yeah, because sometimes the ability to move better just means you need to be stronger. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to be more flexible. And sometimes it's the other way around, right? You're just so stiff and tight that you need to add in a little bit more flexibility. Here's a perfect example. People who are subluxed all the time. For subluxed, for those who don't know, uh, let's say somebody hyperextends their knees all the time, right? They're subluxed. So hypermobile people. Hypermobile people. Yeah. Uh, for that person, they need to learn how to center their joints. We know that person has good end range, but we want to give that person better mid range. Right? Yeah, so so we, that person needs more strength. More strength training. Is that going to make them better movers? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it's it's taking that perspective on what movement is and mobility and, and bringing a little different aspect to it. And yes, for someone who lifts a power lifter or something who's much more stiff, you need that to be able to be strong. But at the same time, for your day-to-day functions, you still have to have some movement quality. So if we can help give you that little bit more improved mo- movement, uh, that's going to help you in your day-to-day life, but still keep that tightness that you need so that way you can be a sprinter or still have that recoil to be a high jumper or whatever it is that you have. But at the same time, we don't want you to be so hypermobile that you don't understand how to control your joint position. Yeah, because if you've ever taken one of our classes or courses, um, you know we're always promoting strength and tension when we are in these stretch positions so that we can build some control. It's kind of funny because people are always like, dude, even your stretching is hard. <laughs> we get that all the time, right? Yeah, it takes some strength. <laughs> it takes strength. We, we're not just hanging out, just being all passive. We see people stretching all the time. And, we, and in our opinion, if you're just laying there and we can tell broccoli is more productive laying on a table than you are being doing stretching, then honestly, you're wasting your time. And move along to something that's going to be way more efficient. So, like, we see people in pigeon poses, right? And they're just hanging out, literally just laying there. And you go up to that person and you say, hey, why don't you take that back foot and push it into the floor? And they're like, holy shit, what is that? You're like, that's now that's activation. Now you're doing active mobilizations, active stretching. Now you're being way more productive, right? You're not yeah. wasting your time. Yeah, because you want to be able to get into a pigeon but then move out of it right? with strength, with control, you, you know, know, without assistance and just be able to get in there. Yeah. You want to be able to push yourself into the pigeon, into a greater range of motion, but then pull yourself back out of it, right? So it's that we, we need to have that uh, neuromuscular control and tensegrity through that whole movement uh, in and out of that, right? And so we're driving that back leg back, and then the reciprocation is your external rotation is increasing, right? So we're loading that a little bit more. So there is that confusion of what is mobility. And, yes, for the very for the vast majority of people, they just think it's just more flexibility. Yeah, So, but essentially it's what do you need to move better, whether it's strength 
whether it's flexibility or whether it's coordination? Uh, we Neil and I were talking the other day at lunch, and I think he brought up a great point where he said, you know, you talked about if you did bodybuilder movements, but then incorporated stick mobility structure into it, that'd be a great combination. Yeah. I mean, you're building muscle, you're building strength. And then, you know, doing the mobility work, you're you're able to you're still able to move into your your normal ranges of motion and you can still do daily things. You know, sometimes when we're you know, you build so much upper body muscle, you have a problem reaching around your back, behind your back. That's an issue. You know, that that'll that'll kind of screw you up just for daily activities. There's that little uh, if you actually look on YouTube, there's a video of I don't know who the bodybuilder is. The dude is yoked. I mean, just massively yoked. But his buddies play a prank on him by taking a post-it note and smacking it right between his rhomboids, and this guy can't freaking grab it. And his buddies are just laughing their asses off at them, at him. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, you're the butt of your friend's jokes because you literally can't reach behind your back to get this piece of paper off. Now, don't get me wrong. I was laughing my ass off too. But at some point, you got to think to yourself, if you're the dude, like, what did all this muscle mass get me? Like, I can't even do this basic, simple thing of removing this piece of paper off my back, right? So no matter what skill level you're trying to accomplish, I mean, everything is based around your quality of movement and how well you can move. Yeah, so no matter what your goal is, you know, you want to make sure that you're able to keep your basic functions, keep that quality of life, you know. I think years ago, uh, uh, another coach that I worked with, that I was working at a gym with, uh, super smart. Uh, and so we were talking and this gentleman walked into the gym and he was in his probably late 60s, still juicing, still yoked out of his gourd. This guy walking like literally like walking like Frankenstein. It was kind of painful to watch the guy walk. And his elbows hadn't seen extension in probably two decades. I mean, literally, that guy can't straighten his arms if I gave him. So it's like he was constantly oh, holding a baby or something? Exactly. It was, or football? Exactly. It was – and wa- watching him walk, and I was like – and I, and I said something like, Jesus, that's Jesus. painful to watch him walk. And the other coach looked at me and goes, well, if you keep up the shit you're doing, that's going to be you in 20 years. And so it was kind of like, when he said that, I was like, yeah, you're right. Actually, I had that moment where I'm like, mm, yeah, you can, I think you're right. You know, it's if I do keep down the road that I'm going, that will be me in 20 years. And I, I didn't want that. At that moment, I said, that's not what I want. And so – it was saying, understanding that, yes, I need to improve my movement quality so that I can stay physically relevant, right? I, I want to be able to still be able to do a lot of the things uh, at the age of 60 that I do at, at the age of 40 plus and stay physically relevant and not have to watch other people do things while I'm sitting on the sidelines, so to speak. So, yeah, the quality of your movement is is pretty important. And it's something that we don't give a crap about. Let's, when you're 20, you don't give a shit about that. You know, We know Greg Cook said it best. The average gym goer doesn't, give a, doesn't care about how well they move until they can't. But even then, I think some people still don't give a shit. No. You know, yeah. e- even if they don't move, they get injuries, they still go back to doing the same shit that got them there in the first place, right? Yeah, and mobility, it's, it's the foundation for – 
all training. You know, you want to run, you got to be able to move. You want to lift, you got to be able to move. You want to go climb something, your joints need to be able to move. You want to kick, you know, it all comes down to movement. Um, but I think what you're saying is people don't care because it's, you know, a lot of the training isn't that flashy, isn't that sexy. It's not going to give you big muscles. Um, and that's why, you know, it may not be at the top of your mind as, as important. No, but I, but we like to let people know that if you actually look at a gymnast, right? How many people would say that a gymnast has a shitty physique? Not Hardly me, anybody. No. I mean, most people look at a gymnast and go, holy shit, look at that. Yeah. Well, what do they do? They specialize in movement, right? Body weight movements, explosive body weight movements, controlled body weight movements. They have the ability to do both, right? So you see gymnasts, they can do... Uh, the they can do the uh, parallel bars or they can do the pommel horse and it's fast and it's ballistic but yet you get them on a balance beam and they do these nice slow controlled movements or even on a floor routine they can go from doing a a uh, somersault with a with a twist but yet do these nice controlled single leg movements in a slow controlled pattern so they have that ability to access both uh, with what they've learned at the skill level that they learned over the years. And it's all based off mobility. And they have physiques that I think anybody would look at and go, that's a nice physique, right? So, yeah, mobility is, is extremely important. And I think, unfortunately, in I think the mainstream industry, at least here in the U.S., is way behind on that. I don't know. I mean, if you would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I don't think it – like, like I said earlier, you know, it's just not at the top of your list. You know, first thing you want to do, you go to the gym, you're like, I want to lift, I want to get stronger, I want to build bigger muscles. And I think that's kind of the general consensus. You know, people just want to look better. That's goal number one. They want to look better. Feeling better is hopefully a byproduct of that, but that's not their number one goal. Right. It's it's aesthetically driven, yeah. right? That's... And which is fine. Uh, which you is know, fine. That's, that's yeah. okay too. But, you know, while you're chasing those goals, make sure you keep that quality of movement in your life. It's kind of like what comes first as far as if you're trying to train for aesthetics, but you're hurt, chronically hurt all the time, then what are you not able to do? You're train. not able to train. So then what is the end result for your aesthetics? You don't get the desired aesthetic changes that you're looking for. So... Once again, we're talking about the lack of your quality of movement is now hindering your end result, which is your aesthetic appeal, which is what you're after. So make sure you know how to move. Make sure the quality of movement is good so that you can keep training. And then there, thus you can then get after your aesthetic and reach your aesthetic goals that you're after. Yeah, because it's not until people get hurt, I'd say, is where they really try to focus on mobility. Oh, yeah. When I was younger, I didn't give a shit about foam rolling and mobility work. What the hell is that? Like, why would I do that? Does it make my arms bigger? No. Well, then I don't give a shit about that. You know, that was just my outlook. I mean, it's kind of the old joke. What was my, what, what did people warm up when they bench press? You know, they're like, oh, my warm up on my bench press used to be 225. I'll warm up with 225. That's pretty good, man. Yeah, that's that's like a warm up. Like, people used to be like, that's your warm up? Yeah. So I warm up my chest and my shoulders. Yeah, just yeah. do like 20 real quick here. <laughs> so you're like, but that's just kind of goof. Like that was my mentality. And I, I, it's a lot of people's mentality when it comes to in the meathead world, right? 
I'll just do a light bench press. That's my f- first set, real light. And you're like, now I'm warmed up. You're like, mm, okay. Now looking back at it, you're like, mm, if I could go back and kick the shit out of my younger self, <laughs> I would. I'd be like, yeah, you need to do things a little bit differently. Because your shoulders and your upper body are going to pay the price for it 20 years down the road. So let's set that trend now. Let's change everything so you don't have to deal with all that stuff down the road, right? Because the stuff that the short-term things that we do have that effect on the long-term the long-term ramifications. And, and humans, are, we're terrible at understanding the long-term ramifications of our short-term decisions. And that's a big thing for us. Uh, so if, I mean... I would love to be able to go back and tell my 18-year-old self, hey, do this, this, and this. Change this up because this is what's going to happen if you don't. Yeah, you know, if, you, if, uh, if you're trying to pick an activity, you know, go look at all these different sports and see. If you see a bunch of old people doing it, you're like, okay, that's something I can do forever. Yeah. So you got rock climbing, you got martial arts. You know, you see people, you see kids and you see people in their 70s, 80s doing it. And you're like, you know what? There's, there's some longevity in that sport. Yeah. It's kind of fun because you see a lot of the uh, oh, the Asian community. You see a lot of older people still doing Tai Chi, still doing full body calisthenics. They're in their seventies. They're yeah. in their eighties. Uh, but in the Western culture, we think we consider that to be exceptional, right? Uh, and for us, it's it shouldn't be exceptional. It, it should be quote unquote normal or uh, a baseline, so to speak. Is we shouldn't look at it as, oh, my God, look at that person. That's incredible. It's kind of like getting credit for stuff that you're supposed to do. What did Chris Rock used to say? You know, he's like, don't be trying to get credit for shit you're supposed to do. Like, I take care of my kids. You're supposed to take care of your kids, you jackass. Like, that shit was funny. But that's kind of – it's the same thing when it comes to movement. I can do this. You're supposed to be able to do that. Don't be trying to get credit for shit you're supposed to be able to do. Like, that's a basic thing, right? So it's it's kind of getting trying to and if we can and we we get excited when we get coaches and trainers who are younger, in in, in I would say generally in their mid twenties, who are automatically looking at different modalities, especially mobilization modalities, and they're like, okay, I really need this, so it helps make everything else better, and so. For us, when we see coaches that are younger that are coming to our courses or other courses that are teaching mobilizations, that excites us because we're starting to penetrate that younger demographic because those are the guy, those are the people that are going to be leading the charge when you and I are long gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, if, if you don't train anyone in their 50s or 60s and you don't really work with people that have these mobility problems, you know, where it's affecting their daily life, like – you know, I've trained some ladies and some men where they come in. They're like, you know what? I have a hard time getting off the toilet. I have a hard time getting down and getting off the toilet. Right. You know, that's that's something you take for granted. Yeah. And that's your ability to squat. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure people keep that as they age. Very much. Oh. It's kind of funny. People always ask, how often should I do this stuff? I'm like, uh, you wake up every day, right? You're a human being every day. There are certain things that you should be able to work on. And it's not you're not maximally loading everything. This is submaximal work. It's just your body weight. Uh, if you want to put a little bit of load on it, say, okay, that's fine. But we're not ball busting here. And even if it's 10 minutes. Uh, 10 minutes, you know, move your body in every single direction you can in 10 minutes. Like, that's plenty. And just keep that. 
And keep that, Don't right? lose it. And if you start to lose it, then maybe add in another session a week. Right. It's not it, – it doesn't have to be very complicated. I agree. When people tell us, oh, I don't have time to do mo- mobi- mobility work, I'm like, don't even start talking about the TV show you started watching last night because I know that TV didn't move. I know you're asking to do some mobilization work because you just talked about a half-hour program. You could have given me 30 – you could have given yourself 30 minutes of mobilization work. That's just laziness, right? And then you'd say, I don't have, the, I don't have that time. Most people ha- can find 10 minutes out of their day to invest in themselves. Neil and I, we, we'll teach you stuff, but we do this stuff on our own. We do it for ourselves. We're investing in ourselves. We show people how to invest in themselves. Whether they take the initiative to do it, that's up to them. We can't force people to do that. So that shows a lot of when we – and mobile, mobility is one of those things that we see the quickest changes in, right? Like we know when people, when our clients have been doing mobility work because we see the results, right? We can see a month later, oh, they're still, they're still in that same range of motion. You're like, you haven't, been putting their, you haven't been putting your work in. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes consistency. So, you know, like we said, five minutes a day, ten minutes a day. Reach your arms overhead, get up and down off the ground a few times, you know, bend your body sideways a few times, rotate a few times, bounce on a single leg. It'll go a long way. Yeah. It's just, and that's just basic stuff. Literally five, 10 minutes a day. Invest in yourselves. You're not, inv- it's, not it's for no one else. It's for you. It's to help you be a better you. And that way you can still continue to do, because our goal, like I said a little earlier, is for everyone to be able to do what they do 20 years down the road. At the very least, stay status quo. At the very least. But don't allow that, the down phase or the decline. Let it be a slow, gradual decline, not falling off a fucking cliff. Right? (laughs) And we see that all the time. And what is the excuse that everybody gives? I don't have time or it's just because I'm getting old. Yeah. I'm getting old. It's okay. Yeah. So is it, is it ever too late to work on your mobility? No, never. It's never too late. Uh, We talked about the other day with rheumatoid arthritis, right? And so what were you saying about, about people with rheumatoid arthritis doing mobility work? Yeah. I mean, you look ultimately with arthritis, different types of arthritis, you have to move. Right. I mean, there's no cure. Like, so you have to move. You still have to get stronger. You still have to live your life. So you might as well work on it. We just have to be aware. Yeah, you don't want to go be super extreme with it and push yourself as hard as you can. Be conservative. Listen to your body. You know, do a, an easy training session. See how your body responds the next few days. You know, give your body time to adapt. And then you go, okay, well, that was pretty good. Maybe I'll increase the intensity or I'll increase the time. And then see how it adapts to that. Wait a couple of days and be conservative with it. But it's, you know, just because you have these issues or conditions doesn't mean that you can't work and that you can't live your life still. And I think that's the problem. Well, we, a lot of it is people just accept that defeat, so yeah. to speak. And they just accept it as being something that comes with the territory. And we're like, no, it don't. it's because you chose to accept that. But be conservative. Under, listen to what your body's telling you. 
and, and continue to try to progress and tr- continue to try to make yourself a little bit better. And at the very least, try to stay status quo. Don't allow that decline to really kick into full gear and high speed. Decrease, uh, try to slow that process down. So uh, self-regulation, self-limitation, right? So as you go through movements, if your, your body will tell you if something doesn't feel right, then you have to listen to it. Don't ignore it. So if something feels like, okay, if it gets to a point of pain or it's way too unbearable or comfortable and it elicits that neurological response to get the hell out of that position or to decrease the amount of intensity, then listen to it. Decrease the angle. Decrease the amount of intensity. And give that dosage where the tissue can adapt yeah, and not survive. Discomfort is different than pain. Right. And, and it's like Charlie Weingroff said about playing around with dosages. Training is trying to find that right dosage. Yeah. Right? And it's different from person to person. We can have broad strokes that, generally speaking, cover every most things. But just same as I when, if I'm establishing a painting, I use the broad strokes to give me the base of the painting. But then everything else after that, the fine details come out when I pull out the small brushes. And the same thing from case to case. Yeah, because we're not going to recover the same way as a 20-year-old kid recovers. No, not even close. Right, and then someone in their 60s is not going to recover the same way that we recover. Right. And it's kind of interesting, too, when you see interviews, especially with older professional athletes. What do you, What's the main consensus that you get out of most of these interviews with older, older veterans, so to speak? Oh, they're just working on how can I recover as fast as I can so I can play next week, next game, you know, the next day. They're not in there killing themselves in the gym. No. You know, they've put in all this work over the years. So they're trying to keep their skills up and they're trying to stay as healthy as possible because that's the only way that they're going to get on the court. I remember watching, uh, well, one of them, Hard Knocks, HBO. Great show. Um, but when uh, the Miami Dolphins are on the one, the one year and Zach Thomas, middle linebacker, uh, he hired, he had been in the league, I think at that time, probably about eight or nine years in the league already. And so he had a person that he had hired for massage and stretching. And it was him talking about the importance of him saying, man, now I understand the importance of mobilizing and stretching and having better movement and recovery. He goes, I wish I would have understood this when I was younger. And so it's, and him saying that, it's because of this that I can still play. And so that was awesome to see somebody at that level talk about the importance of recovery work and making sure that, yeah, your ability to recover, because our number one predictor of performance is availability first. I mean, we don't care about your performance if you're not on the field. It's irrelevant. So you're on the sidelines cheering your teammates on, but you're not out there where you're supposed to be. So it's kind of understanding, yes, rest and recovery is now starting to pick up more steam. I think it's, it's starting to grow. It's a gradual growth, but people are starting to understand uh, that, yeah, it's a pretty vital part of the process. And it's not always about go, 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 go. Yeah, and I think it's hard for people to see that when on social media usually you see go, 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 go. Yeah. Well, we were comparing that on Instagram the other day. So Neil and I, we were 
looking at different accounts and seeing what the growth is uh, between certain accounts where we're, some accounts are talking more about recovery and, and really getting really great content out there and great education on, on the importance of, of different aspects of training. And we're seeing, uh, what well, mobility wad, right? I mean, how many people did Kelly Starrett have? Was oh, it, I'm not sure. Uh, Definitely a few hundred thousand. Yeah, it was like 300,000 like yeah, yeah. people. But yet we looked at another fitness model who, when we were looking at the content, there was re- really nothing educational, so to speak. Uh, and yet it was five, six times the amount of social media impact. So we know that, yes, this is still in the peripheral it's on the periphery. It's on the edge. But slowly and gradually, it's starting to expand. And that's all we can do is start to really keep growing it, keep pushing it, and saying, hey, here's something that might you might find extremely beneficial for to help you keep doing what you like to do. Whether it's CrossFit, whether it's bodybuilding, whether whatever choice you like to do, we want to keep see you keep doing it. And rest recovery is such a crucial, vital part to help you maintain the ability to do those things. So our advice to you, take more, uh, take a different perspective or, or put a little bit more importance in how you view your recovery and, and how to access it better. Yeah. And just making sure that, you know, you're keeping adequate ranges of motion and movement it it doesn't have to be anything crazy you don't have to be able to do the splits you don't have to be able to do a full back bend that's not i mean that's not the goal for everyone it's just make sure you can you can keep doing all your daily activities you know pain-free and you'll be fine right there's you don't have to go to these extremes exactly well thank you all for joining episode three uh talked a little bit about mobility uh Final thoughts. My final thought is more about off the topic for sure. Guilty pleasures. Kind of, we were kind of joking around earlier about guilty pleasures. We all have them. Don't act like you don't have them. We know you do. Uh, what were we talking like anime, right? Oh man, yeah. So like, I grew up. I loved anime, and now Netflix can't. You know, Netflix like all of a sudden they started putting some anime on there. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta check this out. So I'm watching it, and my wife's like, "What the hell are you watching?" I was like, "Oh, it's it's anime." I'm like this is this is where I get all my uh, my training information from. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely one of my guilty pleasures there, man. I'll, I'll still watch that every now and then when I get some free time. Yeah, like when Warner Brothers animated movies come out, like I'm the f- like pre-order, pre-order. Like oh, it's coming out too. Like and I'm like a little kid. Like I'm waiting for that time. I'm like, oh, when is this getting released? And so yeah, I mean at 47, yeah, I'm still watching animation. I have no issues admitting that. Like, it's a guilty pleasure. Like, that's what I grew up with. And it's only gotten better. Like, animation is. Oh, only man. Better. Like that new Spider Man. Oh, uh, wasn't that what's great? What's it called? Spider Man uh, Into the Spider Verse. Into the Spider Verse. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. And really I, good. What's interesting is that was one that I actually put up a fight on. Like, I did not want to watch that. And I didn't want to watch it because I saw the pig. Oh, Spider Pig? Spider Pig, Spider Ham. Oh, when pigs. I saw that, I was like, oh, are you shitting me? I was like, I thought they were going to turn it into a total joke, right? Which they did, but it was really done well. And then, so I'll, I'll 
my network of friends were like, hey, you got to check this out. You got to check this out. It's great. And I'm like, whatever. So I finally I was like, okay, I'm finally going to watch this. And it had been months since it had been out. I literally got done watching it, and I'm like, fucking A. That was great. It was really good. It was really so good. So is that spider pig actually part of the comic books? No, no. It's oh, just okay. a they different. Just made it yeah, just made, yeah. Huh. it's just different. But I thought I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. It was really well done. It dug. The dig. Uh, I loved it because it could rip on other things that Sony had done, especially like episode uh, the third part, the Sam Raimi one where uh, they introduced uh, the symbiote. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that was so we all know that was probably one of the worst Spider-Man's ever done. Sam Raimi should be crucified for that, but he admits it. I think I saw an interview once where Sam Raimi even admitted he goes, "Oh, that was shit." Like, I apologize. That was just crap, right? Uh, it was the one where uh, Peter Parker does the song and dance routine and is walking down the street. like. It, and so they made fun of that in uh, the end of the Spider-Verse. So anytime that – it's the same thing Ryan Reynolds did in the Deadpool when he made fun of himself for the uh, Green Lantern script. So that's just funny shit. So when you have the ability to make poke fun at yourself and things that you kind of screwed up on, I always I always enjoy that because if you can't make fun of yourself, who can you make fun of, right? You always got to be able to to have that little bit of levity and to be able to bag on yourself, right? Yeah, there's, for sure. there's nothing wrong with that, man, because we all do stupid shit. We all do goofy shit that we can that every we can always rip ourselves on. So that's what that's a couple of things that we talk about as far as guilty pleasures. Our boy Chris Haynes, uh, if you're not following at MMA Yogi, at MMA Yogi, and then MMA Yogi 2.0, is that your other one? So if you get on Instagram, follow Chris Haynes, please. Dude puts up great content, and uh, he's helping us navigate this whole podcast thing. So kudos to that, please. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Uh, we talked about, he told us about the Sabre game. Beat Saber. Oh, yeah. Like, he showed us the video. It was awesome. Oh, dude, I'm amped. Yeah. Like, I'm amped. I mean, talk about movement training. Oh, yeah, like, I'm all, it's, yeah. It's super fun, too. And that's through the Oculus system? Yeah, so you've got these VR goggles, and then you've got these two, I guess, joysticks that are basically acting like lightsabers, um, and then there's music going, and you're trying to cut things down to the beat. Like, just watching him do it, like, he showed us a video, I was like, like, I'm going to be hooked. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to getting on that. So, uh, and it's great movement training. Yeah. Like, it's, you're working. You're putting in the, you're putting in the work, man. Yeah, and you don't know what move you're going to do. Like, the, uh, um, an arrow or something will pop up on the screen and you just got to follow it. It's all spontaneous. Yeah. Uh, how fast do you react to that? How fast do you process that information? That's training, right? Yep. So that's freaking awesome. He showed us that. And so we're super stoked on that. So we'll get all over that and we'll give you a report of how bad we are at it. <laughs> Until next time, we'll see you guys later. <laughs>